So we have this kind of exile theme, but then we also have this suffering theme that we've been hitting quite a bit, uh, especially the last few weeks, and Andy hit it a few weeks ago and had a, a whole sermon on a couple chapters about suffering in, in, uh, in 1 Peter. And this morning, as we look at our text, is the question becomes, well, who is the people that are going to stand ahead, and who's going to go forward for us and be willing to suffer for the church, for the people of God? And that's where Peter's moving us this morning. He's looking at Christian leadership, these shepherds, these elders that, that are called to actually stand in the gap for the people and say, hey, are, are, are there some people among us that are willing to stand out and actually suffer for uh, uh, these people, to love them, to serve them, to care for them, even when they are being pummeled by the culture, by society? Who are the people that are going uh, to do that? Now, what's interesting about the scriptures is that some of the harshest words and some of the greatest judgments that we see in scripture are towards the leaders of the church. Uh, we have a couple of examples. Jesus, um, you know, Jesus, he loved the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, these religious leaders of his day. And in Matthew 23, he has some pretty harsh words for them. Uh, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. <laughs> And this is where we get the phrase, for they preach, but do not practice. So practice what you preach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats at the synagogue. So, so in other words, the leadership is about them. It's, it's about being seen. It's not about serving and loving and protecting and caring uh, for the people. They don't practice what they preach pretty harsh word from Jesus. Later in, in the New Testament, um, James talks about teachers in the church and gives them a, a, a pretty strong word. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So, so there's always this weight put on God's leadership in the church. And so when we look at our text this morning, the question becomes, well, as a, as a good shepherd, that, that, which Peter was, and he was an elder himself, um, as we'll see in our text, what words would he want to share with the Christian community, his fellow elders, his fellow leaders, that as we think about and pray about you know, future leaders in the church and, and as God raises those people up, what, what does that look like? What does it look like to be to live as exiles and to be willing to suffer for Christ? What does that look like for, for God to do that in our midst with the leadership of the church? And, and there's just a couple things I want to share with you this morning from 1 Peter 5. And the first thing I, I, I want to say is, is what he says is, I, I want you to consider the weight of a shepherd. <laughs> and I don't mean his actual physical weight, um, but, but, but the weight of the office what they've been actually called to, that it's a serious, serious matter. Because if you back up in, in the text, notice in chapter 4, uh, just go back a few verses in verse 17. It says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And then 19, Therefore let us, those who suffer according to God's will, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing, while doing good. And so the, the context of, of Peter's writing about leadership in the church and these shepherds and these elders in the church is in the context of suffering. It's in context of judgment, that the, the judgment isn't from outside the church or in the culture society, but it's actually looking inside the community and saying, are they, are they men? Are they, are they people who are leading, who are caring, who are serving, who are laying their lives down for the sheep, for the flock? Or is it something else? 
Are they willing to stand out in front in the gap for the people when they're getting pummeled and take the hits for them? Or are they saying, well, that's just that's on them. They can, they can figure it out um, themselves. But the, the assumption there is that there is a judgment going to come for these leaders, that they will have to stand before God and say, did you care for the people of God? Did you teach and preach? Did you feed them the whole counsel of God? Or when they were being pummeled, did you, did you kind of say, you know, we're going to do something else. We're going to, you know, just talk about this or talk about that or talk about our opinions or our feelings or, or, or when they're beaten down and they're trying to live out their faith out in the culture, we just kind of said, oh, good luck. Because remember the context. This is a first century context where to be a Christian was to be ostracized. It was to lose family, to lose friends. That, that if someone knew you were a Christian, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, hey, I guess I got to go over here and get new friends. So when the, the Christians are being treated like that, who are the leaders that are going to come around with them and just continue to encourage them and say, hey, let's, let's keep going. We're, we're going to be okay. God is with us. All right? And that's what, what Peter's hinting at, is, is you need to consider the weight of the call, the weight of, of the, the role you've been called in this church, because there is going to be a judgment coming. Now, Peter, what, what we understand from, from really smart theologians is that Peter's picking up a lot of language from the Old Testament, how he understands the, the, the call of a shepherd, the call of a leader in the, in the Christian community. Now, granted, grant Old Testament... Uh, uh, in the Old Testament, we wouldn't call it the Christian community yet, but, but these patterns are very similar. So if you, um, in uh, Malachi, um, I know you read that this morning, but in Malachi 2, um, this is what it says about leadership, um, about the, the, the priests of, of those days. And, and in Malachi 2, verse 7, he says, For the lips of a priest should, should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And, and so I make you despise and abase before all the people, insomuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. So in other words, these priests were called to instruct the people, to feed their souls, to teach them the ways of God. And yet they, they skirted that responsibility and said, no, nope, I'm not doing that. They were only thinking about Themselves, So God has a, a harsh word for those that would call, be called to lead and shepherd a people. What we also see in Ezekiel chapter uh, 34. If I can find it. Ezekiel 34 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts." My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. So the shepherd is to come and to care for the lost, for those that are scattered, to feed them, to care for them, to love them, right? I mean, uh, we've done many sermons and talked about sheep and shepherds and how sheep aren't very smart. No offense to you, but we're just not. And we need wisdom and we need someone to guide us, right? And, and only the sheep hear and understand the shepherd's voice when they run outside the pen. And wolves come to devour them and, and eat them. And 
steal, and thieves come to steal them and, and make profit off them. And so, so this imagery is beautiful, and there's a harsh word, there's a weight that says, hey, if you're a leader in the church, that, that are you caring for, are you loving, are you serving, are you laying your life down for God's people? That's the kind of leadership that, that Peter is, is painting for us. And again, these are people that have been ostracized. They've been pushed out. They don't have a voice. So who's going to come and care for them and help them and encourage um, them? And what I love about our text, if we go back to 1 Peter, verse 1, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He, he, he's saying, hey, I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing. <laughs> right? He says, I'm one of you. I'm just like you. I've experienced the sufferings of Christ, and I've seen the sufferings of Christ. I know what it's like to be pushed aside and to be, you know, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's one of the eyewitnesses of Jesus bringing this message of good news of grace to the entire world. And yet he's like, hey, I know what you're going through. I know how hard it is. Also, you know what I love about this? Is that this is Peter. Like strong Peter, right? Faithful Peter. Or the opposite. The one who said, hey, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. That, that's not me. And then when he's, he's pinned down, he denies him. I don't even know the guy, right? So, so here's this man who's been restored. He goes, I know what it's like to even suffer, to deny that this God that I love, this God that I followed for three years and, and sat under his teaching, and even I pushed him aside. But now I, I get it. I know what it's like. It's difficult. It's hard. But I'm right here with you. It's a very encouraging pastoral word from a guy who's been radically transformed by the good news of Jesus. Who's walked that road and denied his Savior, and now he's been restored and says, hey, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't been called to do myself. So consider the weight of being a shepherd. Also, what Peter would want to say to us is, consider your posture as a shepherd. Seems like all these like physical, so uh, 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 consider your weight, make sure you're trim. No, no. Uh, consider your posture. My dad used to always say that. Make sure you sit up. Don't, you know, don't bend over. No, that's not what I mean by posture here. Should have chose better language here. This is your fault. Um, I'm blaming you. So, so, but how are, the, how are the shepherds to lead? What's the posture of their lives? What's the actions that they take? What does that, that look like? Well, notice in our text in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. So there's a, there's a particular way in which, which Peter is encouraging these future leaders and current leaders to, to lead the people, to care for the people, to serve the people. He says, shepherd the flock that is among you. Now, now don't miss this. Shepherd the flock of anybody? Bueller? God. Did you catch it? People, right? It's it's not it's not just people in general. It's the flock of God. So that what that means for, and then what that means for me, and what it means for the elders of this church and any church for that matter is remember this is not your flock. God. Like you don't, I don't own you. Like I, I don't control. That's a cult by definition. Just so you know. Like it's the flock of God. This God has redeemed you. God has restored. You. God has gathered you here together as God's. People, you have to remember every single day, this is God's flock that he's building. I know that language is so archaic, and we kind of go like, I don't think of myself as that. But God's people. It's, it's God's flock. So shepherd God's people. Remember who they are. Remember your role in it. That you didn't 
create this message. The gospel's not about you. You didn't make it up. It, it wasn't. It didn't come into your mind because of you know study and and go to seminary. It, it was to you the scriptures. It was a, a message that was handed down from generation to generation. Just be faithful in what you've already been entrusted to. But they're they're still my people. So, so I always say this, and I catch myself saying it's like, I don't want our elders, I don't want our pastors, I don't want any leaders in this church to say, say uh, my people. Don't, don't say that. It's, not your, it's God's people. <laughs> right? And, and I'm part of that too. Right? And, and so, so, so shepherd the, the God's flock among you. And, and what, what's encouraging here is that, that when we think about the posture of, of a shepherd, Peter understood that calling. Um, you, you remember in John chapter 21, uh, he, he understood the weight of this. Now, he failed tremendously shortly after this, but, um, or, or I should say, he was being restored after this. This is actually after he denied Jesus, and he, he comes and God restores him, which is, is humorous in some ways, but also just shows the mercy and grace of God. In, in John chapter 21, Peter says, it's, Jesus says to Peter, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time. I love this interaction because this sounds like me and my kids like every day. Uh, Do we talk about putting this toilet seat down? No, 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 no. Did you hear me talk about putting the toilet seat down? Dad, you're really annoying me. Yeah, I know, because I've said this a million times. Do you really feel the weight? of? Okay, sorry. (laughs) Peter was grieved because he heard this the third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, we don't need to go to that. So he understood his, his call was to feed, to teach, to lead, to care for the sheep, the flock of God among him, right? Uh, um, among them. There's a, the, 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 there's a, a, a calling there. There's a, there's a sense of you've been put on the earth, so this is your call, Peter. So how do we shepherd the flock? Well, I've already hinted at it. It was we need to remember that, that it's God's people, not our people. And, and elders and shepherds are just under shepherds of the great shepherd. So we, we remember in 1 Peter chapter 2, the, the, the job description of Jesus, verse 25, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter even references Jesus as the true shepherd, the great shepherd, <laughs> the shepherds of all shepherds, right? And then if you go to, uh, go to our text in, in 5 uh, verse uh, 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter's using some, some great metaphors and saying Jesus is actually the senior shepherd. There is no senior pastor. Jesus is the senior pastor, the chief shepherd of your souls. That he's the one at the top of the chart on the church. That we are just under shepherds of him. That we, as we submit to him, we serve you. And we know in church history, we know in current church life and past, present, and future that when leaders don't submit ultimately to their chief shepherd, it goes really bad, often. That doesn't mean that people that have you know, moral failings or, or you know, dominate the church or, or do horrible things that somehow they don't love God. We're not saying that at all. But every day it's a, a call for me and the elders of this church and any leaders in this church to submit themselves gladly and humbly to our, our ultimate shepherd and lover of our souls, Jesus Christ. 
That that's where we get our power from. That's where we get, that's where we get even the model of how we're to lead you as people, as we'll get into in just a moment, as God's people. That he's our chief shepherd. He has the ultimate authority in the church. We're just faithful stewards of what's already been entrusted to us. So we need to remember it's God's church, and we are just faithful under shepherds. Now also, remember that this is also always localized. This is always a localized leadership. Did you, did you catch it in verse, verse 2? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Right? There's a, there's a locality to it. He doesn't say all God's people in every place and every time. So I'm a, I'm a pastor in New City Church, right? That doesn't mean I go down to Warnell Road Baptist and go, hey, I'm a pastor down the street. Uh, uh, can I talk to your people today? I like to just see how they're walking with Jesus, how that's going for them. I don't have any authority in it. It's the people that God has entrusted to you in a time and in a place. And for uh, the early church, a lot of them were just small little house churches. So you had one, you typically just one kind of older elder and maybe a handful of people, but they, they were called to serve and care for and lead and protect that group of people. Not, not the church down the road. Not the one across you know, the Roman Empire. It was that people. And so, let me just say this. Um, I'm going to get in trouble, but, but I, I just see a lot of stuff. Um, uh, this thing called the internet, you guys heard of it? Um, a lot of things on social media where pastors and Christians feel like it's their job to pastor everyone in the universe. That's not their call. That's not their role. Or those that maybe sit under preaching and teaching from people that you know, are just on the internet or podcasts or whatever, those aren't your pastors. Your pastor's here, right? And some of you are like, oh, that's the problem. That's why I listen to other podcasts. Um, <laughs> but that's, my call isn't somewhere else. It's, it's here. It's, it's God every day waking up and praying for you and, and, and meeting with you and helping you and encouraging you and leading you and teaching you and, and, and all these things is, is to remember these people, not somewhere else, somewhere out there. It's a localized leadership. It's, it's also why we, we emphasize at New City Church covenant partnership or what we call membership. Um, and, and I know that sounds like membership. Oh, do we get like a discount card or you know, deals at Costco? How does this work? Um, all covenant partnership is to say, I want to know who's with us. I want to know who's sitting under this authority, this leadership, who's going to serve with us, who's using their gifts in this church, who wants to grow here. And that's why we do this class is because we need to know who's kind of with us. We don't want just kind of this loose ragtag group of people that are just kind of like come and go whenever they, they want. It's like, hey, are we in this together? Are we going to serve for the kingdom together in the city together? That's all it is. It's not so I can get you on some roll and just go like, ah, I got them finally, right? I can control them and show up in their windows and go, hey, is there holy living going on in there? I mean, that's not like that. That's a cult, by the way, again. <laughs> it's not my job to control you and, and help you decide on every decision of where you live or where you, how you educate your kids. Like, that's not my role. That's out of the bounds of what I've been called to as a pastor. But we covenant together, we, we partner together because we know that there's a bigger mission that we're part of and we all need that kind of accountability. That's all that membership is. That's all it is. It's to say, hey, we're, we're locking arms following Christ together. And we have a, a membership class next weekend, so come if you love Jesus. Did I say that? Sorry, I have a... I, I got a filter problem. <laughs> Just give no guilt and shame there. Um, so there's a, there's a particular posture. So there's understanding the church is God's church and that we're just under shepherds. 
There's a localized reality that's the people that are there, not somewhere else out there. There's a specific call to that. And then also there's, there's a, an oversight that happens. If you, know, if you caught that in verse 2, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willing as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. So oversight, the, the elder and shepherd and are, are synonymous with an overseer. It's simply someone who just kind of overlooks, who manages, who looks in, who cares for the souls of God's, uh, of, of God's people. And so they're not dictators. They're not supposed to be controlling sycophants that, 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 that decide for everyone what they're to do and what food they're to eat and, and how they should dress and all those kinds of things. He says, no, you're, you're just an overseer. You're an elder that, that cares about the spiritual well-being and the physical well-being of your people. Or I should say of God's people. See, I'm even doing it. Not your people, right? Not your people. It's going to go bad if it's your people. But, but a humble servant. I, I love what uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 uh, he was leaving the, the Ephesian elders there, the Ephesian shepherds, if you want to use that language. Um, and, and he gives these, these words of encouragement to them in Acts chapter 20, verse 26. And he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from whom among you, your own selves, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. And so Paul saw his role as an apostle and back in the day was to feed God's people, to teach them the whole counsel of God. Why? Because there's going to be all kinds of weirdos and nut jobs that are going to come in the church and false teachings is going to be out in the culture. And part of your job is to make sure that they don't find themselves adrift. Care for them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Right? Because, I mean, there's, there's really no weird teaching out in the world. I mean, that's the nice part that we live in America in, in 2019. I mean, everything is just solid, biblical... So there's no need for this work anymore. But the elder, the shepherd, is an oversight. He's an overseer, making sure that, that people, God's people are taken care of and that they're, they're protecting them. Now, Peter says that to do this, how are they to do this is not under compulsion, but willingly. And, and what that means is simply this, is that they understand their call. It, it's, not a, it's not a, well, I guess, okay, I'll do it, fine, whatever. It's no, no, no. It's going back to feeling the weight, the considering of it. There's, there's a strong word. There's a judgment. There's, there's, hey, hey, not all of you should be teachers because there's going to come some, some uh, accountability in the end. And, you know, make sure you're doing, uh, doing it right. Make sure you're teaching people the whole counsel of God. Don't, don't take this lightly. And so Peter understood his call. There wasn't a compulsion. There wasn't a, well, okay, fine. It was a deep sense of, of calling. It's why in 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, when it talks about the calling of elders, it's if you aspire to this office. So consider this call, this role, this office. Don't do it willy-nilly. Don't just say, I mean, that's why at New City Church, we're in the process, which you'll hear more about um, next week, but we're in the process of bringing on new elders and new new deacons into into leadership. We have some, some leaders going off and some new guys coming on. And what we talk about all the time is, hey, this isn't just like, Hey, who has a pulse at New City Church and we can put them into leadership? We need some leaders. It's 
Who are those we believe God is calling to that and also sense that call, that desire? There's, there's, not a, there's a willingness, not a compulsion, not a, well, okay, that'd be kind of cool. It's, it's I, I have this sense of calling to do this. And I think there's another, another piece to this which I think is so important for me because when, my, when days are hard in ministry is to remember the call that God had on me um, because, you know, I, I do it ultimately for him. And, and you know, I, I don't think a lot of people just wake up and just go, you know what, just being a pastor would be just the greatest job in the world. I just, you know, sign me up, right? They just did a study recently where um, it, it, top 10 worst jobs, pastor was one of them. Um, just because of the, the emotional toll and depression and all kinds of things that come with it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes on there. And that's not, not that your jobs aren't stressful, and, and, but have you been with you? I mean, it's just, uh, <laughs> it can wear on you. But actually to make a different point, and this text ruined me probably 15 years ago, um, and I don't remember how I ran into it or what the situation was, but it's one that I, has stuck me. Um, Deuteronomy 28:45. Another text I know you have on your uh, on your, your fridge at home, uh, but in Deuteronomy uh, 28, God is coming down on the leadership of uh, of the Old Testament church, if you want to say it that way, in verse 45, and it says, "All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God." to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. Now here it is. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you of your offspring forever because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. Like it wasn't just you, you didn't listen to God's voice. It was the posture of your heart wasn't joy and gladness. I get to do this. I get to do this. I get to serve God in this capacity. Like, like please hold me accountable. If, if there's no joy in me, if it's just like, yeah, he's just cashing, I can tell he's just mailing it in. Apparently that's a sin. Apparently God has a problem with that. He wants me to serve joyfully. He wants elders to serve. He wants leaders to serve joyfully, not just under compulsion or, oh, I got I got a pulse and that'd be kind of cool, but to actually serve him wholeheartedly. And that's why every year as elders, we have a check-in and we say, can you serve the Lord another year with joy? Not just, yeah, I could fit it in my schedule. But we want leaders in our church to say, yeah, I'm going to serve another year with joy. Right? It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean, you know, we're not talking, I know when we hear joy, it's like happy clappy, right? If you just visit Ryan in his office, he's just always just really happy. And they're just really happy, upbeat music. And just like, God's people are so great. And they're so, they just make my life so wonderful. That's not that. But there's a deep-seated joy, even in suffering, even in trials, to say, God is with us. God is good. Just as we sang, right? God is good. He's so good. And trials will come and suffering will come. And that's, that's what Peter is, is leaning toward, is, is to say, hey, who are the leaders that are willing to stand in the gap with God's people and suffer with them for joy, with joy? Those are the kind of leaders I want in our church. With joy. Also, be careful, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Again, not financial gain, not laziness, but they work hard, they serve, they don't see that this mission and this, this call is about themselves. And also, the posture is to not be domineering, but an example to the flock. That they're to serve and, and not use their, their position of authority um, to lord over other people, as Jesus said in Matthew 20. They're not cult leaders, they're not to 
control them, squeeze God's people. They're actually to lay their lives down. That's what we read Philippians 2 earlier. Just like Jesus. Who considered others better than himself. But this, is, this pulpit, this ministry is not to, to build RyanJHoltonMinistries.com. That's not a thing, but it's not to have my, my face on the side of a bus with Christy the First Lady. Right? <laughs> right? It's not. But it's easy to be tempted by that. Right? So I'm a human, if you didn't realize. I'm not cyborg, I know. Um, but, but I am a human. Um, and to have this on me, this thing, this little guy, and to stand on a, on a stage and, and you guys look at me and I teach you, and I believe me, there's a lot of temptation there to do wicked things, right? And I get it. I mean, pastors, leaders, anyone that has any kind of platform of any kind, don't tell me there's not temptation there, right? Like every week someone's going to listen to me. Like, give me a break. I don't care how holy you are. How, well, right? There, there's a thing, and there's a thing I have to fight all the time to say, say, Ryan, it's not about you. When we were um, starting uh, New City Church years and years ago, like, well, about nine years ago, I remember, we, you know, a handful of people, literally a handful of people, and I used to sit right there just like I still sit, and I used to get up in the pulpit, and I remember just praying, Lord, I just pray there's some people sitting behind me. Just please, God, just maybe like even one extra person this Sunday. That would be just a nice little gift to us. But then what God began to do to me was, hey, Ryan, will you preach the same way with four people or 4,000 people? Will you tell them there's four people or four million people? And believe me, that's not easy to do. Because it's easy to, to fall into the traps of, of our culture and everything's about numbers and efficiency and, and money and dollars and all this and say, well, you know, if there's only four people, they're not worth your time. All of you are worth my time. I mean, most of you. Some of you. No, all of you. Sorry, that's just, that's my humor. I, I apologize. You probably won't come back. But th- that's, that's the reality. Not under compulsion as someone who lays their life down. And again, I do this perfectly by any means. But just how Jesus set the pattern. That's what, what First Peter is all about. He's saying, look how Jesus suffered. He just keeps entrusting himself to the Father. In the same way, as a leader, you need to keep entrusting yourself uh, to the Father to know this is God's people, not your people. And then, and then lastly, we'll land on the plane here. Con- consider a church family of mutual submission. Of mutual submission. I, I love the way that the letter ends. If you, if you caught it in verse 4 and 5, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the, 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 there's, a, there's a little word here about the younger people in the church. Now, again, imagine bunch of little house churches, maybe five, six, seven, maybe 10 people at the most. A 10-person church would be like a mega church in the first century. Um, imagine an older, most likely an older uh, male, uh, because he was older, <laughs> intended to be a little bit wiser. There wasn't a lot to pick, pick from when you're kind of this new movement in the church. Um, now, it wasn't always that way before kind of church leadership was a little more formalized, but, but there was kind of the elders were synonymous with older. But that's not always the case. But, but here in this text, he's just saying, hey, if there's some younger people that maybe aren't elders yet or not or aspiring to be elders, just not there yet, there's a humility that comes by submitting to these authorities. Because all of us need authority in our lives. 
As much as we think we can be free agents, I mean, that's the, the air we breathe in our culture. You can just do whatever you want to do. Be, you don't need anyone to tell you to do anything. But, but here's the thing. Here's the lie of that. Is that all of you were shaped by someone somehow for, for good or for bad. There's, there's no such thing as a, a man who's on an island. That doesn't exist. You had bosses, you had teachers, you had friends, you had families, you had coaches, you had pastors, you had leaders. Nobody's on an island into themselves. So he's saying, here's the deal. Is there's, there's some people in the church and we need to learn how to mutually submit to one another because authority is a good thing. We all need accountability. We all need people looking into our lives and to encourage us and to build us up. And it takes a lot of humility to do that, right? Like, I'm not listening to you, right? I mean, that's actually my, my just default mode. Uh, excuse me? Should we talk about the log in your eye right now? Right? Thank you for pointing out all the loginess in my eye. Hey, there's a giant one poking out of your head, right? That's a reference from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But, and then I calm down and go, yeah, you're actually right. I was being a jerk. Right? My wife has freedom to do that. My fellow elders in the church have freedom to say, hey, Ryan, like, that, that wasn't cool, man. And I need that accountability because I'm a weak man and I'm, and, and I'm just like you, uh, and they're all, not all men, but women as well. We all need people to look into our lives and say, hey, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And so there's this beautiful thing that happens in a church when we can kind of mutually submit by God's grace to each other. Because did you catch the language there? Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, but also clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God actually is ready to pour out more grace on you by being humble. Now, humility is the weirdest thing to talk about because like the moment you talk about, like, is that really humble? I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm humble, right? I don't know. Does that mean I'm not? But he's saying, hey, can we lock arms together? Can we submit to one another? Can we listen to one another? And if, if the leaders are doing their job and they are laying their lives down like Jesus laid his life down for us and they're not domineering and they're not cult leaders and they're not controlling them, isn't there something maybe we can learn from them, right? And then as a church body with all the gifts and, and, and wisdom that's in this body, are we willing to lay our lives down before each other and say, hey, I'm open and willing to hear you speak into my life in truth and love? That's how the body collectively matures and grows up, right? I can guarantee you anyone that doesn't have any authority in their life or anyone speaking their life, they're immature and they're off the rails. I've never met the Lone Ranger that's just this mature, godly, responsible person. Just never met the person. Because left to our own devices, we're terrible at this, aren't we? Right? Hello, Whole30. I'm talking to you. Right? We, we have like no willpower to do anything. Right? We last like five minutes on anything. We need others to walk with us. We need encouragement. Right? If you've been married, how many of you have been married more than five minutes? Right? It's a nightmare. Right? I mean, I'm 18 years in, still learning. We, 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 but it's so easy to just kind of lay back and go like, I don't need anymore. I don't need anyone speaking in. I don't need anyone to encourage me. I don't, I'm good. Right? But we all need that kind of of humility towards each other to say there's always more to learn. There's always more to consider. Because none of us are an island and we all have blind spots and that's why they're called blind spots because we can't see them. I, I, I love this, uh, this quote um, from the prophet LeBron James. And uh, 
He said, how, how does he handle criticism from the outside? He gets a lot of criticism for a variety of reasons. But he says, I'm an inner city kid from Ohio. I'm not even supposed to be here. That's how he deals with criticism. As he understands who he is. Now let's spin that a little bit and make it kind of gospel-centric. If you understand that you're just a recipient of God's grace, that you're a trophy of his grace, you'll live a lot to authorities around us that, 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 that have good. And again, I don't mean just blindly, but, but when we understand who we really are without God's grace, it's dark and nasty. But a merciful, gracious God has come to us to redeem us and restore us to himself. And, and I think our, our true motivation doesn't come from accountability, it doesn't come from the pastor, but ultimately it comes from our one true senior pastor, shepherd, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That should motivate elders, pastors in the church. That should, me- should motivate every disciple of Jesus. That there is a crown of glory that God himself will place on our heads and say, well done, my faithful servants. And it's not because you're awesome. It's not because you were so good and moral. It's because you are clinging to the mercies and grace of our God and Father, Jesus Christ. And by his righteousness, by his living out the perfect shepherd life, by living out the servant life, we come to him and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Those are the, the kind of leaders I, I, I pray for, and, and, and I know that, that myself included, the elders, deacons, city group leaders, all the leaders in our church, that all of us need to hear this because none of us are above this. All of us are tempted in all different kinds of ways. And every, every week we have this kind of visual reminder that, that, that the chief shepherd has come. The senior pastor Jesus has come to us. Um, and he's laid his life down. He, he's laid it down in such a way that he was willing to die for us. That's how much he loved his, his sheep. That even while we were enemies of God, he says, I love you. I love you that much. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Only begotten son. He laid it down as a servant and says, I'm taking this one for them. What a beautiful picture of leadership. Willing to lay their lives down for the benefit of others. So if you're a believer in Christ, please come and celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. The way we take uh, the supper is we'll have two lines up in the front. We break off a piece of the bread, we dip it in the cup. If you have any kind of allergies, we have some gluten-free bread, uh, nut-free bread there in the middle. Feel free to take that. If you're not a believer in Christ this morning, we, we pray that you will become one at some point. Um, and so we have some prayers and some uh, thoughts in the city life you can think over. Uh, please stay seated. But if you'd like to talk more about that with me or one of the elders, I'd love to, to talk with you, pray with you, and for you to consider uh, that because we really believe that Jesus really is the hope uh, of our lives and the universe. And, um, and it's really good news. So, um, so with that, let us pray. Father, uh, we thank you for Jesus who models for us, who shows us what true kind of gospel-motivated, gospel-driven, gracious leadership looks like. Someone who didn't lord over his disciples, who didn't control them, but he lays his life down for them. Who considered this call from heaven to come down to us and to serve willingly. And so I pray, God, that you would raise up leaders in our church that, that have the same uh, heart, the same kind of 
uh, bent as Jesus that they want to lay their lives down for the good of others. They want to serve others and not consider their own gain or, or what they get from it, but, but the ways in which they can serve and, and encourage and feed and care for God's people. What a, what a calling it is. And, and God, I even pray for as we go out, we're not all called to be pastors, we're not all called to be elders, but, but as we go into our own vacation, vocations, Lord, I, I pray that we would have the same posture of heart, the same servant kind of leadership that Jesus shows us. People that do lay their lives down for the benefit of others. So help us, oh God. It's only by your grace and your spirit we can do this. So we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and celebrate the Lord's Supper with us.